You're listening to the Informational Interview 2.0 podcast. This is a podcast focused on how communications can spark innovation and career growth. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Informational Interview 2.0 podcast. My name is Kevin Anselmo. Delighted that you have taken time out of your busy schedule to join us for today's show. I'm really excited about the opportunity to interview Jonathan Stoll. He is the Director of Career Education at Oregon State University. And I know he's gonna have a lot of interesting things to say about how communications links to innovation and career growth for students and young professionals. I'm also especially happy for this episode as I have a guest co-host for those that have been listening to previous episodes of the Informational Interview 2.0 podcast. You know that Hallie Panessa, as well as Callie Carper, two students who have been working with me on my Global Innovators Academy project this summer, they were guest co-hosts. And for today's episode, I am delighted to be joined by my colleague, Ashley, who is going to be in the co-host chair. Ashley has a lot of experience on the podcast front, having edited several different episodes. And Ashley, thank you so much for joining us for today's interview. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to co-host my first podcast. (laughs) Sounds good. So why don't you very briefly introduce a little bit about your background, who you are, what you've been doing this summer for the audience, and then we'll jump into the interview with Jonathan. Perfect. Yes. So my name is Ashley Gunter, and I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. And this semester, I will be starting my junior year at Rollins College studying business management. And I find myself thinking a lot about my future. Luckily, I came across Kevin and Selma's internship this summer with seven other interns where we've been doing all kinds of things. And for example, I was able to be a part of the Global Innovators Academy program where I interviewed an extremely successful realtor in Jacksonville, Florida. Her name is Priscilla Johnson, and she's a realtor um, at Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. But I just want to say this program was just so helpful to me. And I know for the other interns, I was able to hear Priscilla's unique story, her unique ideas and her advice to young students like me. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to write an article about her story and the experience of my, um, my interview with her. And usually I've never really been comfortable reaching out to business professionals randomly like this, but it's, yeah, it's very intimidating. And I mean, I'm 20 years old and I'm reaching out to a woman that's just out of this world, to be honest. She's (laughs) amazing. And she was so friendly and she was so great about answering my emails and making me feel like I'm an adult, which Mm -hmm. I mean, I am an adult, but you know what I mean? Sure. making me feel like I'm a professional myself. So it was really great reaching out to her and makes me less nervous for when I do that in the future, that I was able to write an article and promote myself on the Mm -hmm. Global Innovators website. Yeah, And that was really cool because I've never really thought of myself as a strong writer, Mm -hmm. but I was able to get the help from other interns and you, Kevin, helping me write this article and, and posting it online for people to actually read and see. So that was a really cool experience. But besides the program, I was able to take over the social media accounts for Global Innovators Academy. And that also taught me so much about marketing and just putting myself out there. Yeah. So one of the things we're going to be doing on this episode, talking to Jonathan, is to hear his points of view on how communications can spark innovation and career growth. Catching a little bit off guard here, but you know, from your point of view as a student, you mentioned you've been writing articles, you've been posting social media content, you're now involved in 
co-hosting a podcast episode as well as having produced several different episodes, previous episodes. What is your opinion on this? Like how have you as a student seen the link between creating content, being involved in communications and how that might link to your own career journey? Yeah, so I would say as a college student, majority of people my age do not market themselves the way they should. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you see people posting on Instagram and on Twitter and Facebook and all these different places, but they're not marketing themselves the way they would as a professional. Yeah, Yeah, marketing themselves as a student and just a teenager or just out of their teenage years. But I would say taking over the social media account which were Twitter and LinkedIn this summer have really taught me the importance of marketing yourself, but also the importance of marketing your product or your company or Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing, you need to be marketing yourself. Mm -hmm. And personally, I haven't taken my marketing class yet at Rollins, Mm -hmm. but I'm actually taking it this semester, literally two weeks from now. And I'm really excited to see how the stuff I've learned this summer, but the stuff I'm learning in my class, how that will intertwine what will yeah. I learn different in my class that I've learned this summer? I'm going to be checking in with you to hear what you're learning and to hear you know, know. similarities, yeah. differences. It'll be very interesting. I'm really interested to see how that works because I've never really thought of myself taking over a social media account, but yeah. I did this summer and it was really awesome just to learn more about me and my strengths. And yeah. I would say this is one of my strengths. Marketing is one of my strengths. You are, and definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... It's so important to get on social media pages and put out good content, content that's going to represent you in the best light, but also like help your viewers learn something new. Because party pictures don't count. No, definitely not. I mean, that's (laughs) that's what you see. That's what you see these college students are posting. But I mean, (laughs) they just got to get out of that and focus on what's going to market them in the best light. Yeah, What's right, going right. to make them go from a student to a professional? Yeah, well said. Thanks for sharing that. I'm curious to hear what Jonathan has to say and how his point of view might echo some of the things that you just shared there. So without any further ado, let's jump right into the interview with Jonathan Stoll from Oregon State University. So Jonathan, welcome to the Informational Interview 2.0 podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you have your own podcast. Uh, Are you used to being on the other side of the podcasting uh, chair in terms of being interviewed? I think I've done one other podcast where I'm in the hot seat. Okay. And what's the difference between being on the hot seat and running your own podcast? And maybe you can tell listeners very quickly about uh, the show that you do uh, record on a regular basis. Yeah, we just uh, launched Soul Force Ones uh, about a month ago. So I think we're into our sixth or seventh episode And uh, it explores what I like to call cash, which is career, activism, spirituality, and hip-hop, and how that rules everything around me. So a little Wu-Tang reference. Uh, Really kind of interrogating professionalism, looking at uh, the workplace from an equity lens. And so, yeah, talking to different people from different career paths and really exploring the interconnections of those four concepts as it relates to those specific individuals work. Okay. And I bet you've never been interviewed by a college student before, have you? Uh, no, this might be my first. Yeah. Great. So Ashley, bring the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So John, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do day to day at Oregon State University as director of career education? Yeah. So uh, director of career education at Oregon State University, I supervise a team of four other staff who are embedded within the academic colleges. 
And then my role as it relates to my position description is specifically named working with non-academic units, so our student affairs. And so uh, within that scope, there's a particular focus on engaging and reaching students with marginalized identities. So students of color, uh, students with high financial need, uh, first generation students. Yep. So I've been in this role actually for all of six months. I've worked in higher education for 15, 20 years and career education for now six months. So it's new to wow. me. Wow. So I'm new to the game. Yeah. And what I'm are six to months to be in it, right? I mean, six months, if I do my, uh, that math, that's like just as COVID has started to, uh, you know, become. I had, a, I had a three month head start. I started at uh, December. So maybe it's been more than six months. No, uh -huh. It's actually eight months. Yeah. I didn't do the math correctly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've been trying to, I was really surprised that within career education, there weren't conversations around equity that were happening in all of higher education. And so I've tried to bring that perspective in and kind of really focus on the fact that the majority of our students have marginalized identities. They're women, they're students with disabilities, they're students of color, even at a predominantly white institution like Oregon State, right? And so I feel it's important to talk about those identities to prepare students for how they're gonna navigate the workplace. They've navigated that through their whole life, but I think within career education, my sense is that we have tried to perpetuate social dominant cultural norms. This is the way it is in the workplace and we want you to assimilate to that. And I think it's important to have a conversation about, yes, that's how the world is, but we also wanna talk about you, your identity and how you navigate that. Yeah. Cool. Um, and, and do you predominantly work with undergraduate students, grad students, combination? Uh, all of the above. Yeah. Okay. yeah, we, you know, reached out to and work with our eCampus students. We have a pretty large eCampus population. Uh, we have a satellite campus uh, over at Cascades, or, or I don't even know if it's considered a satellite campus, but we, we serve all of those students. And so working with various stakeholders across the university to make okay. sure that we're providing services and resources that, that meet their needs as well, beyond just the Corvallis campus. Um, can you tell us a story about how you've witnessed innovation shape someone's career path, whether that was a student or maybe someone you work with? Yeah. Um, shout out to Mel Deviar. So she and I were colleagues at Cal State East Bay and actually did our undergrad together um, at San Jose State University. And so she's worked in higher ed for the past 15 years or so. And just recently, I think on LinkedIn, she just announced that she had accepted a position with Harness U, which is an organization that is really geared towards helping college students transition into the workplace, particularly securing a tech job. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciated there was this video that I just watched yesterday where she framed it as what she's been doing in higher education for the past 15 years is designing a student experience. And so she's now transitioned into design thinking. And so I appreciated how she reframed her experience in higher ed so that it was relevant in this new industry in terms of tech. And to me, that's what we do in career education. When we talk about transferable skills, it's reframing. It's the same way that you might reframe your emotions. I talk to my five and seven year old all the time about 
emotional intelligence, being aware of yourself, being aware of, yes, you could be frustrated and angry and sad or what have you, but how is the way that you're expressing these emotions impacting other people around you? Mm-hmm. And as it relates to career education and then, you know, the experiences of Mel, I think it's really mining your experiences, looking at what you've done and being able to connect the dots to identify the common denominator to really reduce it down. Like, what is it that I'm actually doing? Because it often goes way beyond our position description, right? And so for Mel, in this case, it was designing. Like, she, she wants to get into tech. And so now I'm going to talk about my experience in such a way that it is relevant to this industry. Mm-hmm. And did you work personally with uh, Mel? It, no, when we were undergrad, you know, I actually don't wish she had Cal State I think it was through our, uh, our time as undergrads and we just kind of kept in touch. So no, I don't, I didn't work with her in a professional capacity. It was okay. just a connection. And then we um, have kind of kept in touch over the years. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned at the outset, the student groups that you work with and, you know, particularly interested to hear your perspective because uh, of the individuals that we've interviewed, I want to say we've done seven, eight different interviews with other individuals who have similar roles to you. Uh, And we asked this question about clarity. How do you help students gain clarity? So love to hear your response to that. But also, like, is there a difference between, you know, how you work with uh, somebody who a boring white guy versus somebody who's from a you know, marginalized identity, as you mentioned at the outset. How, I guess, how do you help students you know, gain clarity and also incorporate the, their different characteristics and uh, different components that go into who they are as, a, as human beings? Well, I think first it's helping that white guy realize that you're not boring, right? You, you have a story, <laughs> right? Um, there's this idea that black and brown people have culture and I don't have culture because I'm white and I'm also multiracial. So I kind of understand that complexity in terms of identity, my mom being Indian, my dad being white. Um, And so for me, it's really helping students understand their story. Like, where do you come from? Right. That we all have this story and to really be confident and proud and being able to articulate what that story is. And so I, I like to say that before you can master the interview, you have to master the interview. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's very spiritual. It's, it's reflection, it's awareness, it's having that faith in yourself, recognizing what your values are. Um, you know, I think in this day and age more than ever, particularly with this generation, there's this desire to find meaning and purpose in one's work, mm-hmm. um, that it's more than just the money, right? Certainly money matters, you have mm-hmm. to pay bills, um, but particularly in this economy where getting a job is difficult, um, recognizing that sometimes less is more and that you got to just kind of get by, but that need for self-actualization, right? Mm -hmm. Maslow's hierarchy flipping it on its head. And yes, you need those basic necessities, but you need to feel heard, this sense of belonging to fit in, to be connected. And so for me, it's a matter of, of helping students navigate and articulate their story. And oftentimes I feel like and, and it's not just students. I think we all have a yeah. tendency of selling ourselves short. Um, I'll tell a quick story of a student in public health who wants to be a public health advocate. And it was a resume review and she forgot her resume. So we were talking about her experiences and she explains to me that she wants to be an advocate for farm workers. And she, she goes on as, as over the course of the conversation, she's sharing with me how Uh, This summer, she'll be going back home and she'll work in the fields with her family to help supplement the family income, to support. And she's been doing that for quite some time. 
And so I asked her, well, where on your resume is that? To which she replies, it's not on there. And I ask why? And she says, well, it's unprofessional. <laughs> so which begs the question, what is professional, mm -hmm. right? What is professional experience? Because you've worked in the fields. You want to advocate for farm workers. You've been doing this. Like you yeah. know the conditions. You have so much legitimacy in a role like this um, because you've translated, you've worked there, right? And even thinking, so there's like an obvious connection there. Like you've worked in the fields. You want to advocate for farm workers. Obvious connection there. But even thinking, well, if you wanted to get into marketing or data analysis, just thinking of the work ethic that you have to have. The, the ability to, the fact that you've worked in, let's say, 90 to 100 degree weather, picking strawberries, compare that to working in an office space, like that's nothing. Like I can do that, right? I've worked in these conditions, working in an air conditioned office, that's nothing, right? So how we articulate and kind of connect the dots, how we talk about that experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think it matters a lot. Yeah. So just to build on that uh, yeah. this whole topic. So let's say I come, me or Ashley or any other student comes into your office or connects with you on Zoom is, is what we're doing these days. And we're like, you know, we don't know really where to begin. We don't know what our story is. I'm sure you have a number of different tools and resources that you would use, but can you maybe just give us a flavor of, you know, what, you, what kind of interventions you would do to help students uh, and, and young professionals define their story? Yeah, first I should disclaimer that I actually don't work directly with students that much. Mm -hmm. uh, my staff does. I'm more of a, an administrative role. Sure. Um, and so unfortunately, I don't get that direct student to student interaction that much. Okay. I kind of go out of my way sometimes to support students who might reach out to me. Yeah. Um, but by and large, they'd probably be better to ask. For me, it's really kind of what are your what are your values? Like, what are you what are you trying to do? Um, what what do you enjoy? and trying to connect the dots, right? So you like drawing. Well, what is it about drawing that you enjoy? So mm -hmm. let's get deeper into it, right? Do you enjoy creating things? You enjoy creating content. Mm -hmm. um, you like problem solving, right? Mm -hmm. For me, it's connecting to those career competencies, right? So what, what are your skills and how does that align with what you're interested in? Because if we understand your skills, then we can understand what type of value you can add to a company or organization. And so, I think it boils down to what are you interested in? What are you passionate about? And then being able to identify within that the skills that you may have developed over the time that might translate to a work environment. So you can get paid for doing something that you enjoy doing. Yep. Yeah, so once they find out what they like doing, um, what kind of advice um, would you give on, for example, networking strategies to take students and um, people already in their career to the next level or even come up with innovative ideas? Yeah, I think the concept of networking, a lot of the terms in career education I've found to be very corporate and rigid. Mm -hmm. And so a term like networking can be very uh, overwhelming for some students. I don't have a network, where do I start? Um, there's this idea that they have to be very successful Successful people. I need a CEO. I need these people that we put on a pedestal, so to speak, mm -hmm. in terms of their positions, their experiences. And I, I like to think of Yoso's, you know, cultural um, community, cultural wealth model, in terms of that idea that there's value in my culture and what I bring to the table, and recognizing that I already have people around me that I can tap into. Right? I have friends. I have family. And 
there are people that I can talk to that can connect me to other people. And, and so kind of starting there, like who is in your network? Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes there's this focus on quantity versus quality. Mm-hmm. So you go to a yep. networking event. Um, there's this idea that I got to leave there with 25 business cards mm-hmm. and really focusing on meeting as many people as opposed to go in there and connect with one or two people and develop a strong connection to somebody, right? Because I go and I connect with those 25 people. And now most of the time I don't follow up with them. And then if I do follow up, they don't remember me because it was just kind of a haphazard conversation because I was really just focused on the business card as opposed to the connection, right? Uh, You know, as you know, from our previous conversations, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is helping students to become more well-known, not necessarily for, you know, crazy I'm drunk photos on Instagram or crazy videos on TikTok, but to become known for, even as a student, professional ideas, smart, intelligent ideas that will help a student uh, propel in their career. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you and your colleagues at Oregon State help students to do that, help students to um, become more well-known and to, uh, you know, connect others by potentially this idea of digital footprint, creating content just as you're doing yourself. Yeah. You know, the obvious way, which most people would probably speak to would be LinkedIn, having a LinkedIn profile, your resume, how you put that out there, LinkedIn articles, for example. So contributing, being a thought leader, putting yourself out there. Um, I mean, I think speaking for myself, I, I had never considered myself as a a content creator. I thought I was just, you know, creating a podcast and I got turned on to this idea of content creation because I've never been on social media, really. Um, I just got a smartphone like last year. So I'm that old guy who's just, you know, (laughs) coming to terms with social media and and having some challenges with it. But um, I enjoy writing, you know, just released a spoken word piece that's tied to the podcast. And so for me, it's fun. It's, it's a matter of being creative and, and sharing my thoughts and ideas. And, and I think it really boils down to, for me, it was a matter of having confidence and faith in my own voice. And this just happened recently, I'd say like within the last couple of years, quite frankly. And so that conversation with students, particularly those students with marginalized identities, is helping them realize that th- there's a long game here, but as much as possible, trying to encourage students to believe in themselves because I think it has to start there that you have to believe in your voice and what you have to share with the world and what you have to contribute Mm -hmm. and then and starting there and what what are you interested in and maybe it is a dance video on TikTok but that's probably not going to translate really well to a corporate environment right I don't don't know many jobs where you're gonna you know be dancing so what, what is it that you're interested in with a quote unquote professional setting? And oftentimes that's kind of considering what is your, what are your career goals and how are you contributing? So in a way like Ashley is, is writing an article. I think that's fantastic. Um, I don't know what we're doing at Oregon state specifically outside of LinkedIn, but I think that's an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, so what kind of advice would you give to them based on, you know, your own experiences with podcasting? Um, you know, so you're, you're essentially practicing what you preach in terms of, you know, if you're telling students to do this, you're doing this yourself as a, you know, mid-career professional. Yeah. For me, it's, I'm new to career education, right? So I'm, I'm the, 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 new, the new guy in town and I recognize my experience in higher education with diversity, equity, and inclusion. I've done community relations. I've done a lot of different things in higher education where 
folks may not necessarily at first glance recognize the connections. Like why is that a value? Community relations, diversity and equity programming, all of these things that I'm doing, it doesn't sound like it's related to career education. And so for me, it's a matter of differentiating yourself. That's what makes me different from all y'all that have been in career education for the last 10, 15 years. From my perspective, you've done the same stuff. I'm coming in and I'm trying to be innovative. So I really actually approach DEI because that term has become very kind of played out and stale as well in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think of it as disruption and I love equity. So I'm going to keep equity and innovation. And so for me, it's being disruptive. Um, and I do it very diplomatically, which is another D. Um, so it's not as I'm coming in there and I'm occupying the boardroom, but I very much subscribe to a form of activism where I can have very critical, challenging conversations. I'm not going to be disrespectful, but you're going to know that I disagree with you and we can have some hard conversations and that's okay. Like we can disagree. Um, in, in the corporate environment, we love innovation as we should. Businesses go out of business and if you're not adapting and if you're not changing, well, then you're going to end up like Blockbuster, right? Or JCPenney's or, or some of these other companies that have a harder time innovative. And so when we think of activism in particular, it's not that you were out there holding up a sign. What were the leadership capacities that you held? Um, did you organize, you were speaking, and how can you communicate that? So for me, it's a matter of being a disruptor and really embracing that idea because that's what helps initiate change, particularly in a role like career education where it was actually very much embraced that John's going to come in here and he's going to try to do some innovative new things and really try to rally the team around some of those goals so that they can see their role in that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've really embraced the idea that this is what differentiates me. These experiences, these skills, um, th this is what I offer. This is what I bring to the table, regardless of what, you know, the employer might be regardless of the industry. Um, this is my vessel right now to, to initiate change. Like that, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to initiate change, but regardless of industry, I'm going to be able to do that because of who I am, because of my experiences and skill set. Mm -hmm. yeah. So as a college student, I feel like that one of the biggest things we hear is like, what's making you stand out from other people? I mean, I heard this in high school, like for applying to colleges, they said, like, what are are you doing that makes you stand out from someone else that has your same GPA and are taking the same classes as you? And I feel like as a college student, it's pretty much the same thing as like going into your workforce and getting your, the career you want. And luckily this summer, like I've had a lot of chances to like find myself and figure out what exactly I'm good at, figure out like what I want to do. And I think it's really cool hearing like how you're innovative and like, tying it into like how I want to be more innovative in my career. So I guess I would just say like, it's cool to hear what you're saying. You know, one, one thing that Michelle Obama in her book, Becoming, the worst thing that you can ask a kid is what do you want to be? <laughs> because it suggests this idea that you'll get there and then you're done. <laughs> I want to be a doctor, become a doctor. I'm done. Yeah. I was like, no, there, there's, there's this evolution, right? The same way we talk about evolution from a scientific standpoint, there's the evolution of the person. Like you should not be the same person that you were five years ago. You should not. None of us should be, right? This idea that I can improve and this idea that we are reborn every day. 
When I think of Christianity and Jesus and, and, and rebirth, it's not this idea that you came back from the dead. It's that tomorrow is a new day. And so you're not competing with everyone else. You're competing with yourself. Like, what is your growth? How are yeah. you growing as an individual? How are you? And that growth oftentimes occurs through challenging circumstances, right? What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Um, and having that, that growth mindset that I am going to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, and so I think for, for you, Ashley, over the summer, you have been growing. You've been challenging yourself. You've been working with Kevin on the, being a part of podcasts like this, editing, writing. Those are opportunities that may be challenging. Your new skill sets, you're trying new things, but you're growing. And now that now you're, you have something to add on to a resume. And you're not doing it just strictly I, I wouldn't tell people to do things strictly from a standpoint of I get to put something on a resume. Do it because you enjoy doing it. Or again, mind that experience for something that resonates with you um, so that there's meaning and purpose from it. Because I yeah. tell people all the time that it's not just the individual. If I understand the meaning and purpose out of this, especially employers, connect the dots and help the student understand that because they're going to be more engaged and they're going to end up being more productive because they care about the work. There, there were students in our student life office who thought they were just answering the phones and doing clerical work. And their supervisor had to sit down with them and help them understand and connect the dots to realize that you're actually engaging with students who are in very stressful situations. You're resolving conflict, right? And so that's going to change how you approach your job, how you approach your work, because it's more than what you were even considering. And, and that's, again, the whole reframing. The whole question, too, about, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I think maybe that's a question that was pertinent, you know, maybe 40 years ago when people would usually have one job, two jobs, their whole career, where now, you know, the idea of transferable skills and the idea that you might be in, in, in your testament to that. I mean, I've taken many different uh, twists and turns through my 20 years of kind of professional life. And yeah. So when you, when you do ask that question, what do you want to be when you grow up and you pigeonhole a person into, okay, I'm going to be a, a lawyer. Well, you know, how do we know what the lawyer profession is going to look like 10, 15, 20 years from now as, as transformations continue to happen? Yeah. Um, the industry I'm in, in higher education, yeah, I mean, for example, it's not going to look the same. Absolutely. Um, and look so the same there's a number of people in higher ed, like Mel. Mel's probably a, a ahead of the curve, so to speak, in terms yeah. of reading the tea leaves and transitioning some into something else. Like it is becoming very digital tech based. And so that's, yeah. that's, that's part of capitalism. It's, it's destructive in nature. Yeah. And we as people have to be adaptable. Yeah. So it makes me think a lot about like, taking more opportunities as a student. Um, I know this summer working with Kevin, like he's always given us um, the chance to say like, yes, I want to do that or no, I want to do that. And I've kind of pushed myself this summer to like take on an opportunity that I might not even be comfortable with. Like for example, being on this podcast, like I never would have thought I would be co-hosting a podcast. I mean, I know it's not a live podcast, so it might be a little different, but like, it's just pushing yourself to doing something you're not comfortable with um, to like become more comfortable and like get used to things, like get out of your comfort zone and like grow as a person. That's where the growth occurs. And it happens. We talk about in terms of conversations around equity and privilege and power uh, in terms of, you know, white people being comfortable 
being uncomfortable with those very difficult conversations. Um, I, as a man, should be uncomfortable or comfortable being uncomfortable about conversations about uh, patriarchy and sexism, right? I very well may have and may continue to perpetuate these dominant social cultural norms and may be uncomfortable to be called out. Um, and and I, I think there needs to be, I, I think that's the glaring weakness in our society is this propensity to cancel people and not have hard conversations, to really be afraid of conflict as opposed to leaning into that. That's so, where the growth occurs. Yeah. And let me just build on that. You know, we, and this is not generally a question that we ask on the podcast, but uh, for listeners uh, tuning in, uh, you don't see the uh, background on John's screen and it basically is his podcast. And uh, there's the acronym of uh, cash that he mentioned, career, activism, spirituality, and hip hop. So anyway, I've been looking at these four words throughout the entire conversation here uh, and, and the word activism. And you're talking a little about that, you know, having the uncomfortable conversations, what kind of advice would you you share with young people on how to communicate what they're passionate about, about uh, social injustices and, and changing the world, but doing so in a way that doesn't hurt them in their uh, career. And so there's the example of a young lady. I want to say she had a great job <coughs> opportunity at Deloitte and I forget the exact story, but she had said some things um, that were a bit over the top, I'll, I'll classify it as that. And basically Deloitte saw what she had either communicated or I, you know, what she had said and basically rescinded their offer. Um, you know, what kind of things would you share with students, uh, as, you know, as students return to Oregon State in terms of, you know, great, share your, you know, have those uncomfortable conversations. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to step on a landmine, but you know, you could step on a landmine and say things uh, inappropriately one way or another. Any thoughts on that? It's complex. There's a lot of complexity and nuance there um, because it might be different for you if you're black versus white, right? Like I, I want to be able to tell you that if you're black and you're wearing a fro, go ahead and wear that fro. Like I want, it pains me to say that you have to assimilate or conform to any dominant cultural. But you mentioned Deloitte. You think of some more conservative organizations and how they have a particular brand. And so with a, a firm like that, they're probably going to err on the side of conservatism. And so what does that mean then for somebody who is an activist, perhaps? And we also tend to think of activism as just being something that the folks on the left do, right? There, there's activists on the right as well. Um, and, and there's a whole spectrum, right, in terms of activism. And so I think it's a matter of how you articulate that activism. In, in this case, I'm thinking someone saw something on a social media feed or you know, they've made a post or something. I think there's some discrepancies or differences there versus how you might communicate something to someone who's never seen it. And so I think it goes back to kind of that idea of how am I communicating what I've done? Knowing your audience, you got to know who you're talking to and how it's going to be perceived. And so it, it really depends on who the organization is. And, and what the type of activism it is that you did. You know, and lastly, we just wanted to ask you this question around, you know, one of the things we're trying to do on this podcast is what advice do career uh, experts have for other educators? And what kind of advice would you share for educators at Oregon State University? How can they help students uh, prepare for the, for the future workforce, obviously coming from at it from different disciplines, but what, any thoughts on, on that question? Empowering students to be themselves has to start with us being ourselves 
and, and being vulnerable. We, we talk about authenticity a lot. And so I think it's a matter of, of being vulnerable and having some really frank conversations, right? So if, if I'm a woman and I'm talking to another woman, maybe I'm telling and sharing a little bit about my experience. I think we tend to be very guarded and we want to put on this air that we're the expert, right? That I'm the expert, that I know everything. And I, I really resonate with this idea of co-creating knowledge, the, the Socratic method that you actually have things that I can learn from you and vice versa. And so even in a coaching environment, it's really leading by questions and helping the student in this case, draw out and realize their value, their potential, and, and really just bringing that out. I think a lot of what we're doing is trying to empower students to advocate for themselves and realize the power of their voice and the power of their story, the power of their experiences and really own that. Yeah. I, I would just piggyback on that to say, you know, working with Ashley and six other students this summer, you know, I, I, I mentioned several times to them, like, yeah, you guys are going to learn from me, but I'm going to learn from you. And, you know, that was definitely the case in so many different ways where I was able to, you know, just learn a number of different ways. Like, you know, unfortunately, it's been you know, a couple decades since I was uh, a teenager. And, uh, you know, just hearing their points of view on different topics and, you know, different projects was awesome. And so, you know, it kind of gets to that, you know, co-creating knowledge. And so love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a great leader recognizes their strengths as well as their weaknesses and shortcomings, right? And, mm -hmm. and bringing in individuals who can contribute in ways that I can't and to really tap into that and foster it and facilitate it. That's largely what we're trying to do as educators and as individuals working in a place like career education is to help students realize that. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for being on this podcast with us. We, it was a pleasure hearing from you and talking to you. Um, and I hope we are able to keep up in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. John, really appreciate it. And just one last thing. Is there any place you would like our listeners to go to to learn more about you as well as maybe a little plug if you'd like for the podcast? Yeah, it's uh, soulforceones.com. Uh, we're on all the socials at soulforceones. Yeah. And soul force yeah. is uh, soul and then force, F-O-R-C-E and one's O-N-E-S. So uh, you, you we will it. include a link to that in the show notes. Uh, John, really enjoyed this discussion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kevin and Ashley. I'm Heidi Justo, one of the other co-hosts of the Informational Interview 2.0 podcast. We hope you enjoyed the insights that were shared. We will be back at you with a new episode in the very near future. In the meantime, to keep in touch with me and learn tips to help you proactively manage your career, I invite you to review my website, www.careerpathwritingsolutions.com. There, you will find a rich collection of career-related articles, and you can sign up for my monthly newsletter. And on my side, I invite you to check out the Global Innovators Academy website and learn more about my Interview and Innovator course. Students interview professionals and then create content online. As a result, they enhance their network, learn critical communication skills, and build a stronger digital footprint that makes them more marketable. More information is at www.globalinnovatorsacademy.com. Thanks again for listening. Take care and so long for now.